Bush and Richie here with your daily takeaway podcast. We don't want to labour too much on the keen thing because we talked about it uh, during last night's podcast and we, there's the bit in the show you're about to hear to find out how Richie got on when he introduced Keen. One thing that uh, was was troubling me as I, as I went home last night and it was very un-you, Richie, is that you, you had this gap of an hour and a bit or two hours before you were leaving the, sh- the radio show yesterday and introducing Keen on stage yeah. and you hadn't planned dinner. No. And that, that's very, very unusual. To the point where if, if I went on Crime Watch UK and you disappeared... Mm. I would say I would pick up on the point that you hadn't planned dinner yes. as something that was out of the ordinary for you. I hadn't planned dinner, and it was out of the ordinary, and you're right to pick that uh, pick that up. However, having gone to Shepherd's Bush Empire before, I remember the last time we went, when we went for James. Oh, I, yes. Uh, and I remember coming out of Shepherd's Bush Tube and thinking, I don't know what there is to eat around here, I'm just going to get something from the Greggs. Got something from Greg's, uh, and then walked past numerous fast food joints. So what did you get from Greg's, if you don't mind me asking? Last time round, I got a slice of pizza, and it was hotter than the surface of the sun. Yes, I think I've fallen in that trap before myself. So I thought, not t- not this time, Josephine. Uh, and also, I remember that there were many, many hot food joints. So I thought, right, I'm going to go into one of them. So you've got a Greg's by this point? What, last night? Yeah, last night. No, last night I thought, right, not Greg's this time, because oh. when we went to James, I went to gotcha. Greg's, it was a mistake, walked past loads of fast food joints. Is everyone follow now? Still with me? OK, here we go. So then started walking past said fast food joints and decided that many of them looked very sketchy. Yes. So I ended up at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> now, I like McDonald's. I like McDonald's as much as the next person, but I'm always hungry within about half an hour of having a McDonald's. Uh, well, uh, I know what you mean. Uh, I've got a system for that. Eat what you think is reasonable. Yes. And then order one thing more that looks like it might be unreasonable to order. And then generally, you're full. Okay, so my normal order is two cheeseburgers, one large chips. Two cheeseburgers? Two cheeseburgers, one large wow. chips, but I'm still hungry afterwards. So I would then get something that you would say be unreasonable on top. Yeah, something that would make you go, cool, is he ordering all that for himself? It's all that. Surely he's sharing that with someone, okay. Maybe, um, um, Big Mac. <laughs> wow. I think that's how Elvis died, isn't it? Is. That's how Elvis died? This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. Now, it's been a couple of decades since Keen released their Hopes and Fears album, celebrating 20 years of that, and they're doing uh, a lot of live stuff uh, this summer, UK tour, Isle of Wight Festival, and last night uh, they played at the Shepherd's Bush Empire uh, for the uh, the week of the War Child uh, gigs, uh, raising money for a fantastic charity uh, last night, and I was uh, lucky enough as a, a massive Keen fan... Uh, is to... there a name for... You know, like uh, um, Swifties are Taylor Swift fans. Yeah. What, what's... Uh, is it a Kino? You're a Kino. Kino, right. Yeah, you're you're just a big Kino. I'm a big Kino. Uh, and uh, last night, fortunate to uh, uh, host the charity element of that on stage before uh, Tom and the Boys uh, came Tom on. Tom and the Boys. Tom and the Boys. Uh, well, look, when you're hanging out backstage and you're by their, yeah, by their warm-up room and by their dressing room and you're seeing them walking up and down the corridor, they are Tom and the Boys. Well, I would, this, was the, this was the big question we were left with last night before you headed off to do it. Were you, were you like, um, do you have like a changing room next to them? Was your stuff on a peg? Next to Tom and then whoever the other two are. Uh, so myself and uh, Jay Lawrence from Absolute Radio, uh, we were there last night. We didn't necessarily have a peg. Uh, or, no pegs. Or really a room, actually. OK. Uh, we had a wristband. We had some uh, some nice red stripe in the bar, so that was all good. Check you guys out. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, showbiz. All right, Kanye. <laughs> Sectioned off area. Couple of, things to, couple of things to report. Yeah, go okay. on. Um, first off, if you're going to go and see them this summer, because they're, they're back doing live stuff, they're going to be fantastic. Okay. Uh, second thing, Tom Chaplin's very tall. 
He's a big lad, isn't he? <laughs> He's way taller than I was expecting him to be. Yeah. So there was never going to be a Richie and Tom Chaplin picture because I was like, no, 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 I'm going to look like so tiny next to him. So I'll just avoid that. I'll just play it cool. Uh, you said about a vital bit of equipment that you forgot. Someone's texted in, say, earplugs, which is unfair. Uh, that's really harsh. And to uh, take a loin, uh, take a line out of uh, your playbook, uh, watch out, mate. I'll come and spark you out. That's good. I like that. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm learning. Chuck in a service station and you've got it. All right. <laughs> okay. Put your knees for it, Keel Service. No, what I forgot to take was my glasses. Oh, right, okay. Because obviously you go to venues these days, you can't take rucksacks and all that kind of stuff. Understandable reasons, so that's fine. So I left my work bag here, so I'm thinking, what do I need to take with me uh, to go to a gig and then just get home and travel light? So house keys, <laughs> mobile phone charger, left me glasses here. So when I got there last night, you know one of the things that I'm a bit of a bandit doing when I go to a gig? I'm one of those people that goes online and goes on set list to find out what they've been playing recently. Ruin it for yourself, yeah. No, no, no. no it no, is, no. you're Ruin it no. Is then like the ticking off chapters of a book as you're going through? Oh, yeah, they've done that one now. What well, we still got left to go? Oh, they're going to do this next. That's me. Ruin it for yourself. <laughs> well, you can't do that with Keen because they're playing back live again. So they haven't been doing stuff for ages. So there was no existing set list. So imagine my glee when I've got that privilege of being on stage, on the actual stage, yeah. just before Keen come on, and there on the floor, sellotape to the floor, is their set list for the night. Right. I can't read it. Oh, yeah, because of being Mr. Oh, McGee. glasses. <laughs> Couldn't see a thing. Looking down there thinking, is that Say Somewhere Only We Know? Where's that? What's that? Is that Sovereign Light Cafe at the end? I don't know. I can't read it. Destroyed it for myself. Do you know what? I think that's karma. <laughs> you can't be being on stage. It's a very privileged thing. Something about being a few feet up gives you a bit of power and a bit of a buzz. And even if it's going on stage, like back when you were kids uh, in school assembly to receive an award or your, your prefix badge if you're lucky enough to be like that. Some people, though, listening to this might have gone through life and never physically been on stage at any point, yeah. which is a real shame. So what we want to do this hour of the show is just ask you this question. Have you ever been on stage? And if so, in what capacity? Uh, and Mrs Griff has tweeted in straight away saying I play in a brass band, so plenty of experiences of being on stage. One of my favourite gigs is the local Bavarian night, and, and she sent us a picture of her in Lederhosen. I used to play in the school brass band, uh, but I would always position myself right at the back of the orchestra because I couldn't really play, uh, but I used to go to band practice because I quite fancied Nicola. OK, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, so uh, uh, I, I could only play the beginning song what, and the what end What instrument song was it? You've neglected to say the instrument. Cornet. I just put it to my mouth and uh, pressed the buttons up and down. There you go, that's the last page of your autobiography right there. <laughs> uh, but we're after your uh, stories from the stage. Text here says, I once danced on stage with Leo Sayer. What about that? No further details, but we do believe you. Uh, Sarah has tweeted us to say that she's been sawn in half by a magician. <laughs> Some amazing stuff coming in. We've got Claire on the line. Tell us what happened to you then, Claire. I've been with Bez from Happy Mondays. Wow, what yeah. an iconic person to have been on stage with. He's got the moves as well, Claire. What was the capacity of this particular thing? What were you doing? It was at Keol um, University um, just before lockdown and we had a bit of a VIP and he ushered uh, me and my brother to go on stage and it was fantastic. A university Amazing. student union on stage with Bez. I can imagine this to be, shall we say, chaos? Probably chaos. It was a top night, put it that way. Did he, did he have his maracas out? He's always got his maracas, hasn't he, Bez? 
I can't remember. Well, that was messy. <laughs> that says it all. <laughs> Hi to Steve Sumo Davis, who says, I got dragged on stage at the Royal Albert Hall by a member of the cast of Cirque du Soleil. Uh, they had a spotlight on me. Two clowns had flipped a young lad and bragged how strong they were, and a woman clown pulled me out of the crowd to ask them to repeat the trick. He, he doesn't finish the story. I don't think it panned out OK for the Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> no, I don't think it did. Keep them coming in 8, 12, 15. Uh, Stuart says, 35 years ago, King Herod in no. the infant school nativity, yes. I thought King Herod got up on stage. I had to stand centre stage and deliver a speech, but as soon as I started, my loose-fitting costume trousers fell down. I simply shrugged and carried on my delivery. I was King Herod. Nobody was going to embarrass me. Oh, 100%. I didn't realise King Herod did the old trouser elephant impression. <laughs> Weirdly, I mean, I felt like I was in Hansel and Gretel when I was a kid at school. Tights on, cardboard wings, fell over, broke me wings. <laughs> if you have a nightmare <laughs> on stage, you never, you never forget it. Uh, Griff been on and he's apparently age of 14 Christian Music Festival in Rochester Cathedral 2,500 people present very scary I was the drummer in a three-piece band playing our own stuff nobody told me that I needed to tie the bass drum to my stool and hence it tried to escape four times very embarrassing <laughs> like I say if you have a nightmare on stage no one ever forgets it uh, Lisa your stage appearance it was a few years ago but yeah I went watching New Kids on the Block and Backstreet Boys and Backstreet Boys dropped into the audience to bring somebody up each of them and I had a basket on at the time so I could like push everything up in the air for him to see and get his attention and he grabbed me and took me up on stage and sang to me. Wow so um, let's just get this straight then because it's a little bit of a ropey <laughs> line so you were watching the Backstreet Boys the Backstreet Boys jumped into the audience to grab a person each to get up on stage to sing with them which Backstreet Boy grabbed you and brought you onto the stage? Nick Carter. Nick? Is he the one with the curtains? Nick with the curtains? Yes, he was. The handsome blonde one, yeah. Wow. Uh, it is actually on YouTube if you wanted to watch it. <laughs> and uh, the, the lucky bask. And, yeah, so I had a bask on, so I kind of, like, pushed everything up into the air to get his attention. And <laughs> so he got me up on stage and he was, like, dancing in front of me, doing little cheeky strokes down my face and down my cleavage, let's say. My word. Wow, this is a very racy story, Goodness this one, me. isn't it? <laughs> Certainly wasn't me with Tom Chaplin last night. <laughs> Tom didn't go anywhere near you. No, he did not. <laughs> well, then, as he was finishing the song off, he started to, like, walked away and then he slid back to me on knees and I motorboated him. <laughs> my, my word. Right, OK. expecting that. Goodness me. You've taken this show in an entirely different direction. We, we weren't <laughs> expecting this middle of the week. Well done, you. <laughs> Yeah, let's just say uh, he's still having counselling to this day. <laughs> oh, bless him. Well, it's amazing to speak to you, and uh, what an amazing story that is. Thank you very much. Uh, Julius has been listening to the show, got in touch uh, with uh, a little Keen fact. Julius, uh, tell us, uh, what can you tell us about Keen? Um, I was in the Sovereign Light Cafe music video. Wow. Oh, wow, how do you score that, Julius? Uh, well, I live in Hastings. And um, I was involved back then with uh, the, amateur, the Amateur Dramatics Society over in Bexhill. And they got asked to basically provide some people to be in the video. And I went along, got to play a couple of different roles, just chilling out with the Keen Boys, to be honest. Chilling out with the Keen Boys is the right term. That's what Richie was talking about, the boys, the Keen Boys a bit earlier yeah. on. Now, one thing I find fascinating about this is I watch EastEnders quite a bit, and I'm always interested in people who are in the background, in the cafe, but they're having a conversation, but obviously they can't make any noise because they're just extras. So what kind of manoeuvres were you doing in the background then when you were in the Sovereign Light Cafe? Were you chatting or eating or pretending to talk to people? What were you doing? Well, we were fortunate, and because it's a music video, we could talk. 
Oh, right, so you could say, <laughs> what were you actually saying to people then? I don't know, we were just sort of talking about the day, um, sort of what we'd done. Um, just like you said, the fact Tom's so tall. Uh, he is tall, <laughs> isn't he, Julius? It's not just me as a short man. I mean, I'm five foot ten, and he was at least a head and shoulders above me. But I tell you what, he's got legs that go all the way to heaven, hasn't he? <laughs> and pipes. <laughs> he's got go. pipes. So if we watch the Sovereign Light Cafe uh, uh, video, I watch it on YouTube pretty much on every day on the way into work. Uh, which one are you and how can we see you in the, in the video? Right, so um, first appear, they're all quite quick, but um, I, am a, I first appear as a king. Um, so I'm dressed as a king and right. I'm eating an ice cream. Okay. Right. And then a little bit later on, it's a slightly uh, wider angled shot where I'm with a group of others and we're all opera singers. Okay. And uh, it's sort of looking down on us as we sing. And then it's sort of just, uh, I appear as at the actual cafe. Um, just like everyone that was in the video was all at the very end of the video was at the cafe, just as they sort of sang it in there. So you sort of just see me in the background. With the description that you've given of what you're wearing, I'm imagining that you come in during the lyrics of When the Drunks and the Lovers Appear. Um, you know what? I haven't watched it for a little while, so I can't, I can't remember where I, what the lyrics I, I think he's knocked the whole keen thing on the head, <laughs> and I encourage that. You grow out of it, don't you? This is Home Time with Bush and Ritchie. Bush and Ritchie's bonus day. That's right, we are reaching the crucial stages of our bonus day adventure here on the Home Time Show. You know how this works, it's a leap year, we get this extra day, February 29th. We thought, let's use that extra day to do something that you've always wanted to do. We've been inviting you guys to get in touch with your suggestions. We've had loads of brilliant suggestions. Thank you again. As you will have heard on yesterday's show, we've chosen Ray. Uh, he wants to spend the 29th of February exploring the secret underground tube tunnels of London, which means that Richie and I have got kind of from now until the 29th to get this sorted so any intel hugely welcome <laughs> hugely welcome hugely welcome eight days and uh, there's no plan just yet but it will happen uh, trust us we're confident uh, home time listener Richard uh, got in touch uh, hearing that uh, on yesterday's show and is uh, hanging on tell us uh, why could you be of interest Richard so I used to be a driver on the Piccadilly line for about 20 years and safety rep for the drivers so um, I used to go and inspect uh, tunnels and sidings and uh, disused bits and emergency exits and shafts. Um, yeah, so been round a fair few of those on, on the Piccadilly line. So there's plenty of them that um, we could have access to. There is, yeah, yeah, across all the lines, yeah, uh, on the Piccadilly line, you've got uh, Down Street, probably the most famous museum. On the central line, there's disused northern line tunnels, so there's there's pl plenty of stuff down there to, uh, to see uh, that's out, out the way. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's quite the network, quite the thing down there. It is, and uh, we were just looking into the history of it a little bit on last night's show. There's so many things, all the way from, um, you know, Saxon jewellery to uh, uh, crown jewels and paintings and all this kind of stuff down there, and, and Winston Churchill, etc. Mm. Surely it's haunted. Surely it's got ghosts. <laughs> Well, I'm not so sure you're going to find those things down. Now, I think Richie's, Richie's going to be in his element because he's a railway man. Yourself, Bush, I'm not so sure. They're all a little bit of a cross between a, a really dingy 90s indie disco and a Wes Craven movie set. Sounds hey, perfect. Richard, all there needs to be is a, uh, a limited edition Monopoly game down there and he'll be fine. That'll sort me out. 
<laughs> Imagine, it's one of those places if you took Grandad down to, he'd actually come alive and start running around demonically laughing. It's, uh, Maybe he's it's there. We don't know where he is. There. Maybe he is down there. Who knows? <laughs> it's living down there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite, quite the place. So a uh, bit, bit dingy, a bit dark, uh, a bit eerie as well in some places. So... Uh, yeah, quite the place. Richard, we're, we're kind of running ahead with this uh, with this next question because um, you've got the experience of what it's like to be down there. Um, we haven't got anything sorted yet, but if we do manage to get down there, sorry, let's be more confident, when we manage to get yeah. down there, um, if you're a tube passenger, it's quite hot. What will it be like just walking around some of these disused tunnels and stations? Will it actually be cold and damp? No, they'll, they'll be quite warm, same as down in the tube. So winter time's not too bad. But if you go down there in mid midsummer, if you used to go down there, take a bottle of water and some and a short sleeve shirt. It does get quite quite hot and sticky down there. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it does it does heat up. So but this time of year, you'll you'll be fine. Uh, one other thing that I, you know, whenever I'm sitting there waiting for a tube train to arrive, I always look down at the tracks and see little mice scuttling oh. around everywhere. Is there going to be loads of mice and rats down there, like dropping on top of us, like um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? Ah, oh, huge, huge rats down there, and, and huge, huge mice, seven oh foot cannibalistic. Uh, oh, shut rats up! And mice down there. <laughs> right, he's pulling our leg. He is. He is. No wonder people think they see ghoulies down the shafts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see any of them, thanks very much. <laughs> I'll use the ladder after you. Um, I think we better leave this here. Richard, that's fantastic, and thank you so much for your intel. My pleasure. Uh, John is uh, hanging on. He's managed to muscle his way down there already at some point. What are we going to see when we go down, John? Um, nothing. I'm in the trains, really. I'm listening to that other guy, and I'm thinking, yeah, OK, I'm not too sure about that. Um... The, the main one I, the first one I did was Charing Cross one. Um, and you're going down and you think, I don't remember the Jubilee line going through here. And then you go through a door and then there's another set of escalators that goes down. And that's apparently where they filmed Skyfall, a James Bond film. And they start oh. telling you how they've um, arranged everything and got all the extras in to make it look as though it was uh, the... Um, at one point, you do the London Underground, but then also he says, look up and see the signs. And then you realise it's the Metro in New York. What? Um, different signs. Yeah. Oh, you're throwing a lot of information out of here, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, they use that as an overflow for when Wembley's busy. Um, so they said, we store trains here sometimes when Wembley's got a big event on so that we can get the trains up to Wembley quickly and get the people off the platform. Yeah, John, you are a uh, an information sponge, aren't you? He you soak it stuff. all in. He really does. John, big yeah. important question. Um, one of the things that concerned us with our chat with Richard, the tube train driver earlier, did you see a lot of rats when you went on your tour? Um, I've only seen two and they're nowhere near you. Yeah, nowhere near you. Okay. Okay. How how big how big are we talking here? I, don't, I really don't want to see um, any big rats or anything at all. No, I wouldn't say they were massive things that you feel like. Oh my god! If you jump, I've had it. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know. They give you TB, uh, don't they? Rats. No, you just look at you think, oh right, okay. So there's a couple of rats down there, but you're not going to actually walk down there because there's actually on the track. Okay. Um, well, listen, that's great. Good speech, you. Take care. Cheers, John. Yeah, you guys, keep the show going, mate. You're good fun. The noise of the past. Bush and Ritchie's Sound of the Decades. Absolute Radio 60s. So, as we discovered earlier on, a lot of stuff happened in the 1960s, but what we've done is isolate one specific sound effect from that decade, and you've got to guess what it is. It's pretty tricky. Have a listen one more time. 
It's flummoxing everyone. What is it? What we've established is it's not a coffee percolator and it's not a dice from a board game. And Jackie is the person who thinks she knows who it is. How are you, Jackie? Hi, hi, I'm good. I'm enjoying the drive home. You sound a bit harassed today, Jackie. Is it one of them days? Just left work, yeah. It's been one of those days. Everything happens at the last moment. Okay, what's been going on? Talk us through. Are your friends here on the Home Time Show? I'm a property manager and everything seems to go wrong at five (laughs) o'clock. Oh, dear. The little I know about properties, when one thing goes wrong, it sets off a chain. Yes, yes. And is this like managing a property where like you might have tenants in, you've got to go and get stuff fixed? Yes, yeah, we've got a maintenance team. They go in and fix everything. Now, I, I, I let out my flat in Bristol a bit when we first moved to London. And brave. the tenants we had in, I think, like, younger people... No offence, I don't want to tire everyone with the same brush, but I genuinely yeah. believe younger people these days think that they're living in what would be described as a service department. <laughs> yeah. Where what you do yeah. is you get the maintenance people in before you even have a go at trying to fix it yourself. Is that fair, Jackie? Uh, oh, yes, to change a light bulb. My boss always says, do they want us to fill their fridge as well? <laughs> there you go, this is it. If you want me to leave a really terse answer phone message for your company, I'm more than willing to do that afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yesterday we had a uh, spin-off podcast about uh, wood burners. Uh, today it's about uh, <laughs> rental properties. Uh, Let, letting gripes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> weekly. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you know how to access that uh, later. Uh, Jackie, uh, which, uh, <laughs> which decade station of choice do you consume home time with? Um, the 80s, because that's when I was a teenager, so that's what I love. What was the nightclub you went to in the 80s, Jackie? Oh, God, I can't remember. I, I lived on Portobello Road, so we went to all different places. Oh, wow, I bet she went to some great places. There's, there's me growing up in Brixham in <laughs> South Devon. I have to travel half an hour to a nightclub. Just surrounded by them. Uh, we were just up and down Portobello Road. <laughs> Rock wow. and roll, Jackie. Yes. Uh, let's have a listen to the sound from the 60s. Jackie, have a listen to this. And now tell us what it is, please. Well, when I was very young, I remember my granddad had one of those really tacky bars in the corner of his living room and I think that was the rave in the 60s so I think it's a cocktail shaker maybe so imagine your, your granddad in the my granddad had one of those and he had a, uh, a pineapple plastic pineapple yes. that you put ice in yes my granddad did here we go one more time does sound like it yeah, it does doesn't it we're zoning in on a, a common shared thing here could it be this the sound you're a loser <laughs> and you have lost it's a great memory, great trip down memory lane with your granddad and that, but it's not right, Jackie, which means another thing's happened at the tail end of your day. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. OK, bye, guys. Oh, oh not and, messing and, around. Oh, God, that's got probably to stop. Jackie, good to talk to you. Sound of the Decades returns tomorrow. This is The Daily Takeaway. Ah, oh, we're all going a little bit stir-crazy here in the studio. Primarily for Bush and I, it's, it's half-term, oh. and uh, we're over the halfway point right now. And we can see the end of it, but we're surviving right now. We love our kids, but it's, it's hard going, isn't it? It is indeed. Uh, I've got a little tip for you. In fact, I think actually this is something that you embrace already. Uh, so, a near six-year-old at home for me at the moment. And uh, this morning, looking for an activity, but the key thing is it's got to be cheap. Yes. Not, not every single day can be about farm parks and stuff like that. I'm not made of money that's the phrase <laughs> uh, so I spent two pounds on something but I might as well have spent 200 pounds for all the joy that he got out of it so what you're saying is someone you spent two pounds on will, will get, is given the equal joy to a 200 pound gift exactly because kids have no they have no concept of price no they haven't got a clue return bus trip to town 
Oh, yes. Two pounds. It's a winner. If you live on a bus route that's got a double-decker bus, thankfully, still of the age where it's as if you've done the greatest thing. It is, and they're, they're amazing. And and uh, like you say, my, my uh, uh, el- middle daughter, Thea, who's five, similar age as Rocco, she absolutely loves it. Yeah. It's a day trip in itself. Looking out of the top deck, drawing in the condensation on the top deck, uh, looking at the security cameras and realising you can see other people on the bus on the top deck. Uh, and I just feel bad for kids now that they're never going to experience the porthole, the little, uh, what would that be described as? A oh, the little periscope thing where the driver got to look up to see what was going on on the top deck. Yeah, and you could look down and see the driver's nostrils. <laughs> that, that's a thing of the past. The number of school bus trips that I were on that got halted because the bus driver was fed up with people covering the periscope. Do not cover the periscope. <laughs> that was the warning. But what a cheap, cheap day out. Two hours it took us out, two hours, two quid, all we did, go into town, go to WH Smith, buy a birthday card for me dad, come back, that's all it cost me. Uh, He's had a great morning. And you are, I feel sometimes like you're so functional with tra- transport and you just go and do it and use it to get to places when you're a grown-up, but I'd love a day of just riding the buses. <laughs> Should you do it? I think I spotted a few people who were doing that today. The Daily Takeaway. Richie's daily takeaway. If we could talk just one more thing about half term and kids, if we may, just for a second. Uh, obviously, it, you know, it's, it's great them all being off and everything. We're not moaning here. It's like a therapy session. It this, is. We're just it? trying to get it out in the open. Uh, but uh, from my side of things, my youngest daughter Stella uh, was up until half four this morning. When, no, no. What, at what stage? Four. At what stage is the child up until half four, or just doesn't go to sleep? So what? This is what happened, right? I stayed up late uh, to watch a movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Everyone else went to bed, and I thought, do you know what, I'll have a glass of whiskey. I'll have a glass of whiskey. And I've, I've commonly said that if I ever have a drink, even one little drink at home, a light goes on in the kids' bedrooms and one of them wakes up. Maybe it's <laughs> random each time. So I had, I had a glass of whiskey watching this Scorsese movie, uh, went to bed at just before midnight. As I put my head on the pillow, she started waking up next door, Stella. So I brought her downstairs with me, bit of bing on, toast, all that kind of stuff. She wouldn't go back to sleep. Tried to get her back down again at 2 a.m., put her down, she went back to sleep for probably four or five minutes, she was back up again, and we were up together half four this morning, and I am off my head. <laughs> but do you know what, though? I feel almost a bit, like, drunk. Like, it's a bit of a natural high being yeah. really, really tired. So mm. I would suggest anyone, I mean, I had quite an adventurous uh, early years, but, you know, teenagerdom and in my 20s. So I went out, did this and that, and obviously that, that's all behind me, it's in the past. This is the closest I felt to that kind of being on the edge. And it's just from being up really early with the kids. I recommend it. <laughs> OK. Uh, I'm going to remind you of these words around about 90 minutes' time. I'm going to crash, aren't I? You are, spectacularly. Like a toddler. Watch this space. I'm going to crash. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. Just going back to McDonald's, um, pre-keen last night. Pre-keen. What I did do uh, is I ordered a, a strawberry milkshake, which I didn't think it was the most necessarily rock and roll thing before a gig. Having been on stage to introduce, uh, this is not one-upmanship, uh, Doves for the Teenage Cancer Trust and having what can only be described as the two-pod bits. <laughs> I cannot imagine the idea of, of racing to a venue, uh, having a weird mix of food and topping it off with a milkshake before stepping out in front of a couple of thou of people. <laughs> That's, that's a gambler's game, that is. It's dangerous. <laughs> My stomach was really up against it last night. Chicken legend, uh, medium fries, mozzarella dippers oh. uh, and a um, strawberry milkshake and then quite a few red stripes in the, uh, in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Dear me, I just feel bad for anyone who's in the same carriage as you on the train home. Oh, well, they would have been looking at me eating a pan au chocolat flaking down my... <laughs> wow, it's all coming out now, isn't it? This is outrageous. <laughs>